episode of the Habibis, uh, three Arab game developers drinking good Arab tea. My name is Ram Ismo, I'm your host for this episode. And I'm Osama Darius. And I'm Fauzi Mesmar. <laughs> Did that work? I, I don't know, I, I was pretty convinced. Can you keep doing Fauzi for the entire <laughs> for the entire show? <laughs> I don't know, I'll pass. I'm not know. really like, good. I, I don't know if you can tell. I'm not great I, at impressions. I, I try. I was kind of... I was, I, I, you know, I could, it was hard, but I could tell. <laughs> it's a little more work. I need practice. <laughs> yeah, just a little, just a little. So, sadly, Fauzi couldn't. Is Fauzi really just like high pitched to you? <laughs> no, just not at Fauzi? all. I'm just terrible at, at, at <laughs> any kind of impersonations. So, I just changed my voice and hope for the best. Hope it lands. Well, <laughs> you know, it's a brave strategy. Thank you. Thank you. It didn't pay off. No, not this time. Not ever, actually. <laughs> it's never paid <laughs> off. <laughs> One day, anyway, folks, you couldn't make it. No. On top of that, we are recording this episode very late because we tried to find a place where all of us could record. Yeah. And uh, yeah, then <laughs> it is now the night before this episode goes live. Yep. And uh, yeah, we, we, uh, we're sneaking it in. Sneaking it in. I would have loved to say that this is the first time that we've ever done it at the 11th hour. But that's not true. We've actually done it several times true. after the <laughs> 11th hour. So Yeah, we did one episode after it was supposed to launch, I think. Yes, absolutely. At least one. I think maybe two even. Well, folks, um, just a heads up. If there is any cursing in this episode, I won't have time to edit it out. Oh, no. So my apologies. Just assume that Anissa Sanusi is back here as a guest <laughs> and that for that reason. Speaking of which, we there's should invite cursing. Anissa back. It's been a while. It's a lot less It's a lot less editing yeah. work, I'll admit that. Yeah, it's a lot yeah, more fun be... too. Lots of surprises. Don't have, you don't, know don't, have to, don't have to cut out any curses because we just... It, there would not there would be a podcast. Be, <laughs> there would be a few words here and there, disjointed yeah. words floating around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so last minute chat. It does it does give me two two big benefits over recording this on a Sunday, which is that two big things have happened since Sunday. Yes. What big things for have me happened anyway. for you? Yes. No big things for you. Uh, lots of little things. We'll start, oh, that's nice. We'll start with the big thing. Was that Fauci? I think I heard Fauzi. Oh, wait, no, that was just me going high-pitched a bit. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> He's not going to like this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to practice I, my Fauzi voice and like, redeem myself and, and him in the process. <laughs> but I like it. I'm very amused by as this. As long as you like it, then one of us I'm, likes having it. Having a great time. <laughs> having a great time. <laughs> One out of three Habibis approve of this. <laughs> I don't even approve um, of it. <laughs> no, that's what I yes. said. It's me. I approve of no, it. You okay. don't. <laughs> you go. <laughs> um, yes. Okay. So two things have happened. Uh, you pick first. You you pick which one I do. The first one has to do with airplanes and the other has to do with destiny. <laughs> I, I choose option number three. Okay. Well, uh, what is option number three? Don't talk about either of these things. <laughs> Don't talk about it either. Okay. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of the Hamibis Podcast. That was all I have to talk about. And Osama only has a little thing. So uh, it was a pleasure. Was a pleasure. And, uh, Whatever. Better than not having an episode. I mean, is it really better than not having an episode? That's debatable. All right. Let's, I mean, hear, let's hear the flight all, things. All we really have now is just us going like, hi, I'm Fuzzy. And that's kind of it. So. <laughs> 
That's true. <laughs> All that we've done this episode so far is like encode that we do Fauzi with a high pitched voice <laughs> in impressions. We joke about his height. We joke about his voice. What's going? Oh, well, you know, it's not nice. He does. He doesn't have height, so maybe we just put the height in his pitch <laughs> to make up for it. It's a good thing he has good facial hair. That we we're in agreement it's about. Very good. For, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that's some facial hair. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Very good facial hair. Anyway. Aspirational facial uh, hair. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, aviation. Okay, uh airplanes. I had a really big exam. A what? Uh an exam, an examination. Oh, okay. Uh, a, a, a test. Uh I thought you said check. I thought you said axiom. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how that yes, fit in. Huge axiom. <laughs> just enormous. Uh <laughs> no, I had a I had a really big exam examination. Um, and they kind of dropped it on me. Hmm. So uh, I was I was gonna do just a normal flight on uh, Monday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Monday. And uh, the weather was gonna be really bad. We've had really bad storms here in the Netherlands for the past few days, and it seems like it's gonna be very bad storms for a few more days. Oh my God. Is it like snowstorms uh, or rainstorms? No, no, no. We're not Montreal. <laughs> we're we're so we're just storms, so rainstorms, wind. All right advection just like air blowing across the, the place Must be we're nice not we're not, not to freeze your face yeah, yeah. what is, what is freezing <laughs> um life is but freezing. uh <laughs> wow <laughs> wow um so yeah uh the weather was was really bad for monday and then i wake up and it's just beautiful weather hmm. I'm like wait what oh, every weather prediction said it was going to be terrible but it was it was great weather it was just as you got higher up, the weather got kind of worse. Mm. It was very overcast, uh, but it was not overcast at a at an altitude that would block me from going up in the air. I just wouldn't be able to go super high. Mm-hmm. And my instructor, you know, I come in and my instructor, we've talked about my progress and, and my, my flight school is basically chopped into four parts. Uh, phase one is introduction. Phase two is uh, maneuvers and procedures. Phase three is uh, solo and phase four is cross-country navigation how low do you fly solo uh how long do you fly <laughs> never mind oh it falls flat on its face oh <laughs> uh, well i should try to not fall flat on my face <laughs> with an that. airplane that's very it's very it's not gonna be good exactly um bus um the um the instructor basically saw me come in and just kind of went like okay so you're nearing the end of phase two um and that means that there's two things that are going to happen first you're going to do your prof check which is a proficiency check which is going to kind of test everything we've taught you and see if you can do those exercises on your own without any involvement of the instructor and then after that if you clear your prof test uh, your prof check you can do your solo hmm. And your solo is your first flight alone. I think I've talked about it on the show a few times. Yes, uh, but it's because it's a really big thing. It's sort of this big looming thing that is like my next step in this in this journey towards becoming a pilot. And um, so the weather was 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 better than we thought, but it was not good enough to do the exercise he had planned originally. So I, he just kind of went like, "Okay, Yanni, let's do." Well, he didn't say Yanni, but <laughs> he said, "He said, okay, let's do your prof check." And I'm like, "Wait, what?" Like we're, I'm, I'm, what are we gonna get? I'm. Is this an exam now? And he's just like, yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, we fueled up the airplane and got in the sky. And so there were a few things that I was still missing that were needed before I could do a prof check. Hmm. So we, he taught me those as part of the prof check. Wow. So he just went, okay, short field takeoff. Grab your checkbook. 
read up what's in there, and then execute one. That that so shows like, he had a, a lot of faith in you that you're able to yeah. learn something during the test and still pass. Yeah, yeah. He he seems to have high confidence in me, which is very nice. Very good. Except for paved runway landings, he has very little confidence <laughs> in me there. Which fair <laughs> enough. Um, but uh, yeah, so we did a short field takeoff, which isn't as complicated. It just it it also is kind of cool. You know, like normally when when you take off a, a little Cessna, you just kind of like roll your airplane onto the runway, and then you you know slowly increase the power that the the airplane you you push the throttle in, and then you you take off, right? So you start rolling and you roll faster and then faster and then faster and then faster, and then your your airplane starts flying. Mm. A short field takeoff procedure is generated for runways that are very short or that have high obstacles in front of them. So instead, what you do is um, you put the airplane on its brakes and then put the power on full with the brakes on and then let go of the brake when power is full. So you immediately get maximum acceleration. And then you actually pull the airplane off the runway much earlier than you normally would and you climb at a much lower speed. So you basically do like a very steep takeoff. I'd never done it before. It was kind of wild because it goes against everything I've learned about like slow, elegant takeoffs. But uh, yeah, there was a video of me from the outside of, of me taking off and I watched it. And this is like, it, it looks like the airplane just takes off at like a 45 degree angle instead of like a nice shallow <laughs> climb. Uh, and then yeah, we did we did tests. So I did every procedure and every every exercise. And then there was another exercise for landing, which uh, was glidens. So basically, how do you land an airplane if your engine cuts? Oh wow! Um, so yeah, he basically said like, okay, you know, we're gonna see how good your 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 guessing is as to how far the airplane will get on glide. And I'd kind of read some video, I'd read some books and like watched some videos about it. So, uh, yeah, he, he basically said, okay, you know, fly at the runway, normal circuit altitude, and then when you are comfortable that you can make the runway, we're going to turn off the throttle and just don't use your engine until you make it onto the runway. Fair. Uh, so, yeah, I did that. And my first one, I came in a little high, and then the second one, I came in very clean. Good. So, it took you just yeah. two tries. That's very impressive. Just two tries. I'm very proud yeah, of it you. Was very, you. That's really yeah. Impressive. Me too. It was very. It was very cool to see that level of of just. I have a good feeling for how the airplane moves, and it's very much a feeling thing. You know, I yeah. think a lot of people think of aviation as like a look at all these little gizmos and gadgets and like the little wheel and the power thing and the. But really, you want to be watching outside the airplane, and you want to be feeling what it's doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and hearing what it's doing is also very helpful. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm starting to get a I'm starting to get a feeling for it. Like I'm I'm far from good, and I think the the experience at the paved runway last week, where I almost flipped the airplane. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, that was very humbling. Yeah, very humbling. <laughs> but um, at the same time, like you know, the things that I can do, I'm I'm starting to get a bit of a a bit of a feeling for. It. I'm sure it'll be many years before I'm like actually good good, but. I'm capable, right? You're but yeah. almost at the level that I want you to be, which is the level to take me up in the sky so we could have a podcast <laughs> in the air. Nice. That is something we have to do. I'm sure it's oh doable, my God. right? Oh, yeah, totally, yeah. totally, totally doable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Habibis on air. On air, in the air. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Um, and then we'll have to figure out how to make that work. I don't think Fauzi is, is very heavy. The two of us are, <laughs> are not light. Yeah. yeah. I'll have to see what are the weight and balance checks out. Yeah. I think Fauzi will have to go in the back. I think so. I think so. We'll figure yeah, it out. I think so too. We'll figure it out. Inshallah. Best, uh, it means that I completed my prof check. He signed it off. I had to put my signature there as well. And it basically means from now on, my instructor can call for the solo. That's amazing. So, That's amazing. Terrifying. But terrifying terrifying. And, and exciting terrifying. at the same time. Yeah. 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 yeah both. Yes. Both. But also terrifying. Also terrifying. Of course. Also terrifying. Course. It's really terrifying. Yeah. All right, so that's one out of two for me. One out of two. Um, Let's go to number yeah. two. So the number two is skipping destiny, well, right? Is that what we agreed on? No, let's let's do you first. Oh, okay. I'll do my little things before you yes. talk for forty-five yes. minutes about destiny. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So I played two games. Um, mm-hmm. one of them actually, this one I barely played, but the but I watched it being played a long time, and I'll, let me explain. So the game is called Paparazzi. Uh, or paparazzi, right. I guess, is how you would pronounce it. And uh, it's a game about you being a camera person, and I mean that literally, who walks around and shoots pictures or takes pictures of dogs, sometimes on an island, sometimes on a beach. Um, and But what I mean by that is that you're actually an anthropomorphic camera. That's a little bit of a spoiler because there's a reveal of that at some point, but not in a bad way spoiler. I think it'll make people excited to like look forward to that. Uh, and the game is incredibly cute and really adorable and very, very relaxing. So the, the, the core loop of it is you get these tasks and the tasks are almost always... Um, take a picture of this in this context, almost always. Sometimes it's buy this or do that, right? But usually it's take a picture of this. You have criteria. Um, you take the picture. The picture gives you, uh, unlocks more tasks that, you know, basically unlock more tasks and so forth and so on. Um, mm-hmm. The problem was the game is too cute. Uh, it sounds just like a whole bunch of cute dogs barking. And so my kids rushed into the room and commandeered the controller and <laughs> was relegated to be, uh, you know, just watching them play for the rest of the three or four hours that they kept passing the controller between each other, laughing right. with joy as they witnessed dogs do the cutest things in this adorable game. You could witness dogs playing frisbee with each other or riding a bike or surfboarding or... a. a uh, like a, a lot a lot of different activities. There are barely right. any humans. Thankfully, you don't have to interact with them. It's not a game. Are the bears? I didn't see any yet, but I wouldn't be surprised right. if they were incredibly I was cute. just like, are you, are you doing a pun here? <laughs> barely? Like, no. Yeah, it might be very Osama Pool here, but no. Okay. Yeah, right. like maybe maybe I'll, I'll, I'll come back if there are bears and make that pun, you know, just for you. All right, good, 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 good. But the, the game is extremely cute, uh, as I mentioned, very adorable. It's very relaxed. There's no timer. You mm-hmm. can't fail. The tasks are always completable. You could take a hundred wrong pictures, and uh, then the hundred and first could be the correct one, and you'll you'll move on. So there's no fail condition or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we only let up because it was bedtime. So I don't, you know, we didn't get sick of it. It was it was fun experience throughout. It's very slow paced. So if that's not what you're looking for, it might not be for you. But I would definitely check it out. Paparazzi. Any questions about yeah. it, class? It's it's 
paparazzi, right? Yeah, with a pup. Exactly. At the start. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. It looks it looks adorable. Yeah, it really is. It was it was a good experience. Like I said, well, I only got to play it for five or ten minutes before the controller was yanked from my hand. But I did enjoy watching other people play it as well. So maybe that's an option too. Okay. Okay. Cool. The next game I played is called Taikono Tatsujin, the Drum Master. And essentially, it's like Guitar Heroes, but if only the drum. Um, I played it on Xbox. Apparently, there is a, a controller that's available to it where it's, you know, it's a drum controller where you can actually drum on it. But that's not how I played it. Mm-hmm. I played it with a controller. It, it played really well. Um, it was a fun game. I, but to be honest, it just felt like Guitar Hero without the other instruments uh, with different music. So if that sounds appealing to you, I think you'll have a good time. It's also very cute and it's aesthetic. It had cartoon characters um, with an anime type, really, really cartoony anime type style. I had fun with it, uh, but I wasn't compelled to keep playing, uh, if I'm perfectly right. honest. Uh, yeah. Still a good experience. If you're looking for ex- something that exactly fits that build, uh, if you enjoy Guitar Hero and wanted to try something similar, or Rock Band, of course, or anything similar to that, it, it's that. Like basically, they're sequences. You have to press them as they come on the screen. It plays the music well if you do it well. It plays it poorly if you do it poorly, and then unlocks mm-hmm. more music if you if you get it right. Right. Straightforward. Yeah. Apparently, there's a bunch of these. There, there are versions that are. On Switch and on um, other consoles, I, I, I assume it's the first time I've seen it, but apparently it's it's a series and it's been around for a while. So maybe other people okay. are familiar with it already. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I don't I don't uh... speak Japanese, so I don't know if I pronounced it <laughs> wrong. But uh, I was hoping Fauzi would correct me, but you know he's not here. Right? But, yeah. Well, Fauzi says uh, I don't know. <laughs> Can you make a better impression of Fozzy than I did? No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just literally copying yours. (laughs) (laughs) I just think it's very good. It's just very. It's. I don't think I'll be able to tell the difference between (laughs) Fozzy being there and not being there on the edit. Incredible. Good. At least we have a plan B now. If he ever can't show up. (laughs) I wonder. I wonder what your impression is going to be if Fozzy gets to do one one day. Oh no. Very excited! Oh no! What did I do? <laughs> I know I didn't. I didn't start this. You started. I did start. I, I always start the bad things. What the hell? Don't <laughs> let me start anything else anymore. <laughs> All right. Okay. I, All right. I mean, you start too many things. Let's be honest. Let's... I tell you, what were you doing the other day? You were doing like a game wordle. Thing? <laughs> Yep, yep. You're just starting a new thing. Every time I check Twitter, I'm like, let's see what side projects Osama started today. <laughs> Every now and then it's like four times a day. I'm just like, let's see what Osama is starting today. And then like two hours later, I'm like, let's see what Osama is starting this hour. Oh, man. If I was <laughs> unemployed, you would see how many things I would actually start and finish. This is me holding back. But, you know, oh, as no. creative folks, we come up with a lot of idea. It's just most of us mm-hmm. have the good sense not to talk about them. I don't, right. <laughs> I don't have that you filter. You just doing all of them. Exactly. <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? Absolutely. So tell me about Destiny. I hear something somewhat exciting has happened. The most exciting thing since yeah. the launch of Destiny 2. Well, yes, that too. Also, I just I just realized I rewatched uh, Jojo Rabbit. Oh, yeah, I watched that too. 
Uh, I mean, I, I watched it a long time ago. I rewatched it now. It is still a very good movie. It is. I, I did enjoy it. Incredible movie. Huh. Uh, did did not did not you know it's kind of a movie where I feel like the it has a sting that gets removed when you know what the movie is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it turns out that's not true. You can know exactly what the movie is, and it is still a very good movie. Good. Thank you for that recommendation. Uh, I might watch it again. Yeah, so uh, Destiny. Yeah, it is the end of season 15. Wow, that many? Um, 15, yeah. 15, three to six month seasons. Wow. Um, yeah, it's it's been, it's it's big. Um but yeah, the the season is ending, and it is, um, it is wrapping up. It is over. Uh, it also means that the uh, final mission of the season is here. Hmm. And um, as I as I've explained, sort of the the thing that is happening is in Destiny, in the sort of overarching story that's being told. Um, there's been there's been this sort of weird stalemate where the most cunning deceiving intelligent knows more than she lets us know uh person on our side is in a stalemate with the equivalent of her on the on the on the darkness side mm. um and on our side Marasov has been a ally for as long as Destiny won, I think the start of honestly, yeah, since since the original campaign of Destiny One, wow. Marasov has sort of been an uneasy ally of ours. Mm-hmm. And then from the third expansion and the 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 most important expansion of Destiny One, uh, the Taken King, we learned of three hive gods called Oryx, Savathun, and Xivarath, and we've killed Oryx. We've started hearing more of Xivarath. But the one that was always most interesting was Savathun, uh, because she is this deceptive being. And in all the lore and all the stories and all the, the background information that Bungie does so well, just like that it would Bungie, where there's just like entire books of background information. Uh, the one thing that was always true about anything that had Savathun in it uh, was that you couldn't trust it. Mm. Right? A lore that wasn't true, lore that was contradictory, lore that challenge you whether you should believe it or not um lore that seemed true and then at the end was revealed to be savathun's like um she has consistently sort of been playing with the guardians and with with the vanguard and with with our our side Mm -hmm. um and she was captured at the end of previous season and we've sort of been trying to find a way to resolve something she has her power from some sort of parasitical worm and she came to marasov who is our cunning strategist uh, and asked mara to use her witch powers to remove the worm from her so we've been helping for the past season prepare for that ritual and uh yeah then last week it finally happened and uh, Bungie is so good at this stuff like (laughs) You know, it's like every, the entire season it has been built up that Savathun's worm is going to be removed, that Marasov is going to try and kill Savathun as soon as Savathun loses her power when she loses her worm. And that Savathun's sister, Xifu Arath, is going to send the entire Hive army to try and stop that, uh, whatever she can. 
And uh, yeah, so it was basically this giant, this giant defense moment. Uh, six guardians, match made if necessary. Uh, you know, rushing to the tower with the ritual, and then just seeing all the hive appear. And the the dreaming city where this takes place is this beautiful fantasy location, with like silvers and blues and purples mm. and greens and just you know, fantastical in in the in the same way you would think of like Lord of the Rings, fantastical. You know, mm. gorgeous, gorgeous architecture, grander than life. And then the hive have this like just green soul fire magic flames monsters like gray um and yellows and like all these colors that are just completely opposite and just you know you you come through the teleporter to to start on that mission and you just see the spire beautiful spire in the background surrounded by this like wispy snake made out of like flames and you're just running at it with all these enemy ships flying at it, and it's just, just staggeringly cool. Um, and yeah, the the funny thing about this situation is going into the ritual, we knew it was going to fail because the marketing for the next season has already revealed that Savathun survives mm-hmm. and that she's stronger than ever. And uh, yeah, so we knew it was going to backfire in some way. It did. Savathun escaped, um, but she is now. Technically powerless. Oh, uh, without her worm that gave her her power. Interesting. So, so how she gets is this, to be? Is this science, like, or is this magic? Because I keep hearing witch and spell, and I'm not right. sure if that's literal or if it's like Asgardian magic, which you know, like in MCU, it's supposed it, to be just technology that's so advanced it seems like magic to us. Right. So it's. It's something that they call paracausality in Destiny. So, so basically, imagine that the 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 real deep lore of Destiny basically goes that there were two entities, the Gardener and the Winnower, mm-hmm. and the Gardener believed in life, in chaos, in in that life is best when it gets to like flourish in every direction, uh, sort of like an unkept garden, right? Okay. And then across the Gardener was the Winnower who believed that the best way for life to grow was through winnowing by removing all that wasn't helping the garden be its best potential, right? By cutting down any plant that was damaging or not growing as well and then making most resources available to the prettiest, most beautiful, most powerful plants. Mm -hmm. And they played a game of life, effectively, in this primordial garden before the start of the universe, maybe not even in our dimension. And every time they played that game, it was a full universe from start to finish. And every time they did that, they reached the same outcome. The, this, this, the, from what we understand, this uh, sentient robot race called the Vex mm-hmm. would sort of master time travel and then return the universe to entropy to just complete standstill. Uh, where nothing lived anymore and nothing existed anymore and nothing would ever change ever again. The same ending that our universe is going towards just through the passage of time. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Vex would, would bring that be. And the Winnower thought it was beautiful. But the the Gardener thought it was awful. So on the next game they played, after many, many of those games, the Gardener basically self-inserted themselves into the game. And they became the Traveler 
but because they're not bound by the laws of our universe, they can do all sorts of ridiculous stuff. I see. Okay. And then the winner in response inserted themselves into the game and they become the darkness. And they are also not bound by the rules of the universe. So there's a little bit of like magic here. Yeah. But it's it's kind of scientific magic. I get it. Yeah. Right? It's, it, it's similar to Asgardian magic. Where, right. You know. so, so there's sort of an explanation for it that would make sense in science. But in the rules of our universe, it's just straight up magic. The same way that guardians, when they die, they're revived by the light. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the power of the traveler, the, of the gardener. Yeah. It's a beautiful so. story, actually. It's a really wonderful story. And is it yeah. the first time that they've interfered with the universes that they created? Yeah, the, 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 the way we understand the story is that they always just let it play out and that the universe would always take a final shape. And the reason we think that is the Vex is because the word they use in that lore passage is that it was vexing. Mm that the universe would always end the same way. So um, the final shape is, is also just sort of a, a big word in Destiny um, because we know that right now we're doing Destiny 2 The Witch Queen mm-hmm. and that will contain four seasons of story that develop the story further. And then after that comes Destiny Lightfall, which sounds like it's probably bad for us. <laughs> Uh, which will have four seasons and last another year. And then after that will come Destiny to the final shape, which seems to be the ending of this story of Destiny. I don't think it's the ending of Destiny, but uh, it's definitely the ending of, of what they've started calling the, the light and dark saga. Mm-hmm. So I guess they're just taking a book from Marvel here. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the basic version is that that the final shape is... Uh, the end of the story of destiny as it is, exists now so interesting uh, we know what we're building towards we know we have uh until 2024 that's when the the final shape will uh will launch so by 2025 this story ends do you feel I st- there's ever a reason to jump to destiny 3 or do you think destiny 2 can go on forever I think they'll continue with Destiny 2. If there is a Destiny 3, it'll happen after the final shape. Interesting. So it's a, it's uh, a narrative reason. It's not that they need something, a reset for technolo- technological reasons or anything like that. It's really for the narrative. I just think that there's no good reason to do a Destiny 3 for them right now. Yeah. Like the system is working fine. They have a huge user base in Destiny 2. I agree, 100%. Um, Right. Yeah. I think switching to Destiny 3 would be a... Ter- I mean, you know, you, there's always the, the question of tech debt versus, like, tech investment. Yeah. I just don't think there's a good reason for them to, to invest in a Destiny 3 right now when they can also just improve Destiny 2. And they, they very consistently at every year, uh, at every expansion, they sort of revamp so much of Destiny that you could really just call it a new game frequently. Yeah. Um, also, you know, if you're just kind of following Bungie, they're, they're doing a lot of unannounced projects right now. Yep. So it seems like their focus is also just sort of de-risking being the Destiny studio. Yeah, which is which smart. makes sense. It's absolutely yeah, smart. They, yeah, I mean, they're also Sony now, so they'll be <laughs> fine. But, um, yeah, Destiny with the crossovers of other Sony IPs coming soon, confirmed here. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> No, but I, I think the, the, the real thing the real thing that I love about Destiny is just like it has such a good cadence now. It, it I really didn't like some of the cadence that Destiny has experimented with. I've always appreciated Bungie experimenting. 
but it, you know when destiny 2 launched it was kind of chill mm-hmm. but almost too chill mm-hmm. and then it kind of overcorrected and it was like a full-time job mm-hmm. and and they've kind of reached like hobby status now yeah yeah which is kind of the best place to be like if you really want to follow destiny you should play a few hours every week if you just want to follow the major beats you basically just need to sit down for a day or two every three months and you'll be up to date right that's that balance Uh, that they found that's impressive it's very impressive because there there really is enough to do yeah right uh sure the streamers who play like seventy four thousand hours in two days uh yeah they run out of stuff to do yeah of course but for most people that are just playing this game on the side they found this really great balance where if you just care about the narrative you basically play the campaigns and the stories and you'll probably lose like a week or two just casually strolling through all of that across like a three-month period of time. Mm-hmm. But if you just want to rush through it, you can, you can do it in a few hours. Like I did the... Um, I didn't play season 14 all that much. And I caught up in the entire season in in three days of playing, like just a few hours a day. Hmm. Yeah. It's I'm, really impressive work. It is. I'm always curious about that. I'm always curious when companies... Like what they what they plan for the life of their games. I'm not talking about like packaged games that are just like one and done. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about like live games. I'm always curious about how much of it is planned, um, how much of it is is reactionary. Because of course, there's there's some planned, there's some reactionary. There's a, it's it's a ratio. Right. Um, how like what are the decisions that will cause you to sunset a game? One of the the games that confused me by their strategy was Overwatch, where I, mm-hmm. I know it was a little bit on the downswing, a little bit. It didn't feel like that the time that they kind of sunset the game, uh, or like at least its its content, that that was the right time. It felt like it still had life in it, and that the best strategy at that point was to keep that alive while working on the second game. So I'm curious, right. but I what do I know? Right, I don't have their their sales figures. Like I'm guessing based on uh, it's like perceived popularity based on how how many people are talking about it but i was still invested in the game when right. when they decided to move to overwatch 2 and the announcement of overwatch 2 did like rekindle my excitement for it and then that fizzled and now you know it's now it's gone it's gone now like yeah. I, I i jump in once in a while when i see some friends playing it on discord i'm like oh okay right which happens like once every month or two now as opposed to when it used to be a lot more often and it's like for one session like three four games and it's over mm-hmm. but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really curious about like how these decisions get made if they are right. in fact the right decisions even though if they don't seem to it from a player point of view that kind of thing right i don't know like I'm, i think what i love about destiny is just this consistency when it comes to that like yeah. they're very experimental but they do hit their moments right yeah. like and they're so good at trailers yeah Bungie is so good at traders. It's so upsetting. I, I watch them. I don't know what's going on. I watch them, but they're, they're like the music, the excitement. Like right. I get, I get pulled in, even though I have no idea what's happening. Right. I'm like, yep. you know, I stopped seeing Robot Face, so I, I guess he died at some point. But that's he super died. Yeah. <laughs> but that's about yeah. it. That was a really good story moment. As well. That was probably until now that was the the biggest Destiny moment for Destiny Two yeah. was uh, was Forsaken. Yeah. Uh which sadly is getting retired uh this this week. Oh. Um that remains a big conversation in the community. Like the Bungie vaults content. Yeah. 
um, and removes it from the game temporarily or permanently. And part of it is just to revamp it. Like there's been so many engine changes and there continue to be so many engine changes mm-hmm. that some content just had to be vaulted to to keep things working. Of course. Um, but it also allows them to put older places back into the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes content from Destiny One comes back to the game, so that's that's kind of cool. Yeah, uh, I don't know. They're they're experimenting. I'm enjoying what they're doing. I know other people do not. That's fine. Yeah. No, but I I, I mean that's a very good conversation to have. Like the permanency of of content that existed in a game that you paid money for, etc. But I like and this is just pure pure opinion. I think it's it's totally fair to do that. Like you can't, I mean, the overhead of maintaining all of that content and making sure it works will mean that the new content they'll have fewer people working on it and the quality will suffer. There's there's always a a give, right? right? And 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 the breadth of it will suffer, exactly. Right? Because if you have to make sure that every item you make works with every item you've ever created. Yeah, that's a mess. It's a mess, exactly. Um, it's a lot of work. Yeah, I don't know. I, I also just really like it from a narrative perspective, personally. Yeah. I just really like that Destiny is the game where if you care about the lore, you get to tell people all these amazing stories that they didn't get to be part of. Um, and it's a little weird because you're not used to that in games, no, right? No, if no. I tell you, oh, this mission was really good, then you can just go and boot it up. Yep. But you can't do that in Destiny, per se. Like yeah. the things that happened in the past happen in the past. And it, it has this really nice quality that has sort of been lost in games as far as I'm concerned. This this idea of, oh, this happened in a previous game. Yeah, that's true. Right? I mean, we get a little kind of bit that. of that from franchises that have existed for a long time. Like right. people who played the new God of War and never played any of the other ones don't know about all the history of Kratos have right. to go through as an example but those games still exist yeah. you could just go find them buy them put them in your console yep. and play through it like for the content to actually be gone and the only way to experience it would be to watch a video or something that that's a new part right right i really like it yeah i'm a huge fan of it i, I really really think that's a, a really cool thing and it creates a really unique atmosphere around destiny with like People that specialize in lore, and that make like big recap videos of where the story is right now, and that like, you know, make recordings of everything that happens in like really high detail, so that they can they can archive it and and keep it for for the future. And I just I just think that's really cool. It's weird. It's weird, yeah. and I understand that it's financially weird and economically weird, and it creates weird FOMO situation. But yeah, um, I just really love what it what it does, even though it's. You know, yeah. there's there's concerns, you, and their concerns are fair. You have to admit that it just it's it feels like it's really good for the people who've been there the whole time, and mixed for the people mm-hmm. who want to jump in at any point. And I know we've discussed it before. I don't want to harp on right. it, but I have tried getting back into Destiny two maybe two or three times half-assed. Like I, I won't. Right. I'm, yeah. I, the last time you tried, you said I will try to get back into Destiny two. Let's play together, and then you just. <laughs> But there were other times where we actually played, at least two others. Right. And there were other times right. where that I played with other people as well. Like over the I've tried. And the problem is if I'm not with anyone, I can't go back in. I just get lost. Uh and I'm right. not even talking about anything narrative. So like the narrative part is even part oh, of it. Oh yeah, like, for sure. Yeah. The onboarding is awful. Yeah. That and that's uh, hard problem to fix when you're when you keep adding right. things, adding currencies, right. adding mission givers, adding so, like at some point, 
you have to like it's gotta break. Yeah, yeah. it's gonna break. No, so I think I, I think that's what they're doing right now. The Witch Queen, they're simplifying a lot of systems and things into single currencies and single systems that work the same across all vendors. Good. They've been working on that for like the past year, basically. Mm. Uh, so they're pulling all these these very disparate systems into one single system, and the last ones are converting on on the twenty second with the launch of Witch Queen. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I I have a feeling that now is a very good time to hop into Destiny, and I've basically told people the, the same thing. Like, you know, if you want to play Destiny, download it now. Download the free to play, right? And then just follow the mission quest by the quest line by a guy named Shaw Han. Mm-hmm. In the Cosmodrome, which is basically sort of your introduction to the world of Destiny. And then as soon as you hit the paywall, just stop until the Witch Queen launches in like, what, four days when this podcast goes live? Mm-hmm. And then hop in then. Uh, so you you have a bit of a character and you know how it controls and, and everybody will go to the same light level, basically, at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it doesn't matter if you're behind now, because we're all starting at the same number uh, soon. That's really cool. Hey, can I change subjects? I have something yeah, else go. I wanted to ask you about. Go, go, go. So Capcom randomly put a timer. Uh, and I'm curious, because like, I've been a long-time Capcom fan, mostly in my youth, like, but still. And I'm curious what you think it's about. Which which franchise? I have no idea. Okay. I have no idea. It is it is cool. I like these kind of things. But uh, yeah, it's still counting down, huh? Yeah, it is. I have a theory and I have hopes. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's it's uh, Resident Evil related. I don't know why, but it just it feels like it's a Resident Evil time. Like you know, the other one, you think? the other one came out, um, uh, like it was announced at around this time last year. Uh, oh, not not last year, the year before. But what is time? I don't remember. But like Nobody this, knows this feels is. like the the right time to announce the next Resident Evil thing. But I'm really okay. hoping. That it's uh, a Marvel versus Capcom and next Marvel versus Capcom. Right. I think that, you know, both that something like that would be really well received at this point. Fight, fighting games have gotten a huge resurgence. I, I'd settle for a Street Fighter 6, which is still possible. You know, just settle, just settling for it. You know, <laughs> no, no, no biggie. <laughs> but yeah, that that's my hope. And that's my theory. So I guess we'll see what what's going to happen. And what if it's something entirely new? I like something entirely new. I don't know if they're going to put they would put a timer for something entirely new. I, well, I mean, it's a really good way to get lots of hype. I don't deny that, but at the same time, um, whatever you put a timer like that, people are going to speculate and they're going to hope for whatever they already have. Um, right. So for something that's already out there, and I think putting yeah. a timer for a company like Capcom might sh- like for something completely might new, backfire. yeah, it might shoot yeah. them in the foot. I could be wrong. Maybe they're still doing it. I in their right. place, I would not do that. If I was going to put a timer, right. it would be for not something new. Something new, bring right. it suddenly without any warning, and you know, right? Look, fair, look. fair, fair, fair. But we'll see. Yeah, you're you're not you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Fauzi, what do you think? I think he's right. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. See? Yeah, so this, this impression is getting worse and worse <laughs> as we go. Soon it's going to sound like a drunk pirate. <laughs> <laughs> I could, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I feel terrible. Let's edit that part out. We don't have time. Absolutely. Oh, no. Absolutely not. I can't edit anything. Can't. I'm not, I don't have time. There's no time. That's, like, I have to ship it. Oh, no. We have to ship it. 
All right. I guess we'll ship it. We'll live with it. <laughs> so, did you have anything else to discuss, or do we jump to mail? Because we got mail. We got mail. Uh, mail, mail actually sounds good. Let's do some mail. All right. So, the first email is by Amar, or Amar, depending on how you pronounce it. Um, Amar says, I had a question. Before starting out in the industry, did you ever fear of being responsible to deliver something immoral being in the entertainment industry? Despite the immeasurable good and pleasure games uh, bring, there's still like no denying the dark side. Some of my favorite games, unfortunately, indulge in meaningless violence or to- and torture, along with misogynistic objectification in character designs. I shied away from pursuing a career in the industry out of fear of being responsible for such sections in games. What do you think? I mean, uh, you know, this is a hard question to ask somebody like me because I've wanted to be in games since I was six. And I was way too naive to realize that these kind of things were in games, right? Like my, my mom would say that I was unbothered by any knowledge uh, because I just didn't have any. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know anything. I just knew that I wanted to make video games, and I made video games. And I mean, I got lucky in that I followed an independent career, and I've always had full control over what I make and and what I think and what I believe. Um, so for me, it's, it's never really been a consideration. Like I just make things that I morally agree with, which apparently involves shooting fish with machine guns, <laughs> right? But. Um, I've never been asked to go over my own personal lines with making a video game. Um, I've been asked to go over my own personal life lines in terms of business, mm-hmm. but I've always had the the luxury or the privilege of rejecting that. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I feel very confident that the way I exist in the industry is in line with my personal morals and my personal ethics and my personal goals. And that's been, I, I understand that that's a privilege, but it makes me a really hard person to ask this question yeah. of. I'm the opposite, actually. I started working in games um, at a time where um, I very I knew very much so that I was probably going to have to work on a franchise where I disagreed with at least parts of. Um, and in the end, I justified it to myself to say that I'll voice my opinion or ask to be removed from these projects or these different parts as much as possible uh, with the intention that eventually I'll have enough clout or enough, you know, agency to be able to be removed from them completely. Um, mm-hmm. And thankfully, that's more or less how it played out. Uh, I was able to avoid, like, there there are, uh, my first employer was working on some games that were, I really, really considered unethical, and I asked not to be put on them, and, that, and I wasn't, uh, only to be put on other games that were kind of somewhat <laughs> questionable. <laughs> And uh, for being from the inside, I was able to affect some positive change. Uh, and of course, right. that influence grew over time. Um, did I make the right choice or the wrong choice? You know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. I could have done some things better or differently. And I could have definitely spoken up sooner than I thought I could. Sure. Um, sure. But like, in the, in the end, I'm in a place now where I'm very lucky. I could choose pretty much wherever I want to work and uh, on whichever project I want to work. Um, right and that's that is privilege that i didn't have at the beginning uh so yeah the thought definitely crosses uh, our minds i think it crosses everyone's minds uh, or most people's right uh you can't do much about it at the beginning unless you're you're fortunate enough to be a rami or (laughs) you know 
to have that kind of path. Most people who go through the industry at some point have to compromise and eventually yeah. in hopes that they don't have to compromise anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's true. Um but yeah, I think you know, like this is the kind of thing where I think this is obviously it's a person it's a personal question, yeah. right? It's a very personal question. Yeah. I I I do want to sort of I don't know if implore is the right word, but the only way we're going to get more people that are aligned with our cultural view and moral compass is if people join the industry, yeah. right? And that doesn't mean that it has to be you or that you have that I'm basically saying like you have to do these immoral things to get to a place where the world is more moral. Um, but I do think it's worth considering that obviously the, the only way change gets affected is if more people join the industry. Yeah. So, um, and whether that's like by starting your own projects and your own teams right. that don't go through this path or joining a team and effective change, like positive change from the inside, all paths are, are valid and all contribute to a greater good. Right. So, but yeah, I agree with that hundred percent. Yeah. I, I won't, I, let's put it this way. I won't think lesser of anybody for having a path into the industry that involves doing things that I think are questionable in terms of development. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I know lots of people who came in through the industry through pretty aggressive free-to-play games mm -hmm. or games in which you blow up Arabs or Muslims. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were asked to work on those games and that was their job and they did those things and they were unhappy about it then and didn't have the power to speak up about it or didn't feel comfortable speaking up about it. But now they're running companies or, or doing projects or working at places that they wouldn't have been able to work at before they worked at those places and they're actually affecting change in those places. Yeah. So it, I'm, I'm pretty um, open about that being my exact experience. If you watch mm -hmm. my GDC talk from 2018, a how to guide for Muslim representation in games, I talk about some of the games I, I, I worked on early on and how they misrepresented Muslims and how I, I felt extreme shame uh, about the, the whole circumstance. But that right. franchise I was able to make positive changes and I brought good things from it. Again, I'm not making a statement saying this is the right way, but this was the way I right. chose for better or worse. And um, I'm happy with where it led me, even if ne not necessarily agree with every part of the path. I agree 100%. Right. Yep. Yeah. But like someone can have the opposite opinion saying it's not worth it and don't do that. And I would be like, that's the valid opinion. If, if you know, it's, it's not, that's not how, like, I'm not going to start judging people for, uh, you know, making different choices than I than than I make. Right. right. Yeah. It's it's a tough industry. Exactly. Uh, and it's it's hard enough to get in there. Like, don't forget that these are additional challenges that are thrown in our way as minorities, as underrepresented people, yeah. because the the majority of people generally don't have to do things that go against their moral compass or their cultural compass specifically. Right. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, there's lots of people everywhere that are unhappy with free-to-play or now blockchain or crypto or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, but I think when it comes to um, when it comes to cultural representation, having to worry about your own people being blown up as cannon fodder is a pretty specific experience that is rather unique to, yeah. to you know, Arabs and Muslims. Not a completely unique, yeah. but definitely, like, yeah, we have the it happens share, to us. Say, right. A lot of it. Who knows? It's too much either way. <laughs> Agreed. Um, 
So anyway, you said next, emails. Yeah, there are two yeah. more emails. So let's jump. Uh, there's one that right. came in at the 11th hour of the 11th hour. So I didn't get a chance to pre-screen it. So let's cross our fingers and hope it's a good one. But let's. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. <laughs> this is not this one. That's the next one. So let's talk about the, oh, okay. uh, the vetted one. Oh, all right, all right. I was wondering, uh, this is by Arturi. So I was wondering if all of you had any interesting observations or general thoughts about physical sports from a game mechanics point of view rather than a spectator player one. As an example, I find the history of various rule changes to ice hockey fascinating. Decades upon decades of what are essential patches in an effort to keep up with developing meta and to protect players from harm. Or the way sports climbing had essentially created a new game mode, adjusting its rules to fit with constraints when porting to a new system, you know, bringing the events of the Summer Olympics into mind. Um, any thoughts on that, Remy? Yeah, I, I, I love it. Uh, I Like, one of my favorite sports is American football. Hmm. I didn't know uh, that. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I, it's, not even, it's not even because I enjoy watching it or I know the teams or because I play it, but just because I think it's so cleverly designed. It's like just stop and go. There's a lot of strategy. There's a lot of like mind games. There's a lot of Yomi. There's there's so much stuff going on in American football. Yeah. And then after that, really, all you see is like a bunch of people running into each other at high <laughs> speed throwing a ball. But um, yeah. there's so much going on, and I, I really love that. And, and uh, you know, evolving sports, I think that's super fascinating. Same thing. I love tracking rule changes. Yeah. Uh, apparently, one of the people that invented, uh, was it hockey? I don't know if it's hockey. One sport apparently looks a lot like me. Oh, uh, and Frank Lance over at the N- N- NYU uh, apparently uses a... F- it's got to be. I th- yeah, it was baseball. It was baseball. <laughs> uh, Frank Lance over at NYU puts a picture of me and that, that baseball inventor next to each other and then jokes that game development game development has changed a lot, but game developers still look the same. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm the butt of the joke, obviously. I'm not the impressive part of this joke. The guy who invented baseball is. Although I think baseball is a terrible sport, uh, <laughs> design-wise. I don't I don't get that sport. It's so I, f- have I'm, you played it, though? It's a lot of fun. No. It's not, it, like, in my humble opinion, it's completely boring when, when it comes to, um, uh, like, playing, sorry, watching it. But it's a lot right. of fun to play. All right. I, I'll believe that. It's the worst to watch. Yeah. Um, uh, apparently it's an excuse to eat like chicken wings. <laughs> um, yeah. That said, uh, for example, right now uh, paddle, right paddle tennis, mm-hmm. uh, like sort of like this evolution of tennis that is now becoming so popular that it's starting to take over tennis clubs around the Netherlands as well. Um, that's just you know like changed context, changed sports, changed like what people want to do, and uh, I find that fascinating. I'm yeah, I love it. Yeah, I, also, I love it too. I, I love actually even learning about how sports started and like mm-hmm. like really at the very beginning how certain rules uh, came to be. Like I, I used to play basketball in high school. I loved basketball and it blew my mind when I learned that dribbling was never a, a uh, an explicit rule. It was an implicit rule. You weren't allowed to run while holding the ball, but you were allowed to pass it to other players and you counted as passing it to yourself as well, as long as it touched the floor first. So players would just pass it to themselves off the floor, and that's how dribbling was born. And then the, the, right. the creator of the game decided, okay, I will allow it. <laughs> right. It's great. It's like it's really interesting to see like how because did you 
can you technically roll the ball in basketball? You can roll the ball. It's not very efficient, but like there's nothing. It seems like a bad strategy. Yeah, it's a bad strategy. There's nothing preventing you from rolling the ball on the floor like a bowling ball, except the ball is bouncy. So it's probably not going to roll. Right. It's probably going to bounce anyway. You have a lot more control over bouncing it than rolling it anyway in terms of speed. In ter- right. If you give it a little spin, you can make it like turn corners. So the, even though, yeah, you can roll it, it's just it's not good. It's not going to work out. It could be very confusing. It can be, yeah. I just don't yeah, think it won't work out for you the way you think it will. <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I don't think it's going to work out any specific way. So that's probably true. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, no, I played so many sports, but baseball, basketball, and American football are the three that I didn't do. Uh, American football was. I used to play touch football, but it's like very, very simplified. Like American football has a lot of strategy and a lot of tactics. Right. It's a lot of planning right. before. Uh, it's mm-hmm. and a lot of like in between changing, making changes to the the strategies. It is really impressive in that sense. Uh, I play sports for fun. I don't want to get that invested in, it, except when I played it like in high school when I used to get really into it. I, I just want to play for fun. So touch football right. was a really good compromise, and I've never done more than that. Baseball, I played a lot of. It is a lot of fun to play. It really is. The part, the, the thing is, it's very slow paced, so it's not for everyone because you have to wait your turn to do a thing, and that's like kind of right. what baseball is. Uh, and that's why it's very popular as a corporate game where different people of varying degrees of uh, health or you know, you know fitness, I guess, were able to participate. So it has its place. Right. Of course, every sport has its place. Yeah. But I don't get it. <laughs> you don't have to. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> no, I mean, my, my biggest sport was soccer and badminton. Oh, I love badminton. I, I played badminton in, uh, in college. Right, like seriously as well? Well, not seriously, but I, I played it in, okay. in a class in college is what I meant to say. Right. Uh, I did. I actually took it every chance I got. I, I finished second. My team finished second. I was a weak link on the team right. in, a, in a tournament in college, so that was okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I played like club level badminton. Oh, okay. So then you'll fun. wipe the floor with me. <laughs> well, that's the hope. Uh, I really love that sport. Yeah. Uh, Flambeer, my, my game studio, sort of like blocked me from continuing to play. Oh. So it was... A little sad, but I've always loved competitive sports. Me too. So. Me too. Yeah, that was a good okay. email. Good question. Um, Let's go for the unscreened okay, one. Okay, this is an unscreened one. Let's see. I'll skip ahead to the word question because there's a big paragraph before that. Um, as an aspiring game developer, I want to make game... Oh, sorry. I have to say who, who wrote this. It's it's by Zahab. Um, as an aspiring... Okay. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, okay. Yeah. okay. So as an aspiring game developer, I want to make games that are centered around my culture and religion. Or, oh, sorry, mm-hmm. my culture and region. I apologize. Especially okay. because the only representation it gets right now is mostly as cannon fodder. We were just talking about that. That's true. Mm-hmm. Not counting mm-hmm. the other obstacles in the way of indie success. Do you think this is a reasonable goal if one wants to make a suitable living from this. It's hard to find examples of similar games that went on to be successful enough that were not catering to a Western lens in the same, in some way uh, by being set in that region, etc. We spoke about this a little bit in other podcasts, so it's a really good question. Right. Do you think that in the next few years there will be enough space for games not to be set in the Western culture to be successful? Or should developers from underrepresented regions not take the risk until they are financially stable? Um, so I, I did actually scan the first paragraph, and just to give a little bit of context, Zahab is from Pakistan, so that, that's going to help. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, I mean, really, this is this is a it's an entrepreneurship question, yes, right? Yes. Which which means that there is no correct answer besides the answer you take. Yeah. Um, it, it's a little bit about values. It's a little bit about priorities. It's a little bit about um, you know what what you what you want to be doing. Personally, what I would do is I would. I would start by making things that aren't opposite to my culture, but that aren't explicitly built to communicate that culture too much, right? A lot of my games of Lambert are not explicitly Egyptian, mm -hmm. are not explicitly Arab, are not explicitly Muslim. But if you look at Nuclear Throne and Ridiculous Fishing, two games that both take place in a post-apocalyptic world, in Western in Western fiction, there would almost always be alcohol involved in those mm -hmm. worlds. Yeah, bottle caps in mind, or currency or something related to it. Right. In mind, there just isn't. Right. Mm -hmm. Because every time that came up, I rejected it and I said, we're not doing that. We're not, I'm not making a character that drinks. Mm -hmm. Right. And if people want to project that onto to Billy from Ridiculous Fishing, they're free to do so, but there's no explicit text saying that it's there. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the career that allowed me to do what, what I do. And right now, you know, post Flambeer, I'm sort of reevaluating what I want to be doing with my career and what I want to be doing with my life. And, you know, a big part of my question is how do I make things that represent my culture and, and my heritage uh, that ask questions that are relevant uh, to those cultures and that might pull other people into understanding a bit more about those places? And I don't know. I, I don't think I'm going to make something that is like very explicitly in the text about that. Mm -hmm. But those are kind of like conversations I want to be having. Yeah, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And to be honest, um, I think there. Are, I don't. I don't want to say compromise because that's not a good word to use in this situation. But mm -hmm. you have to keep mm -hmm. in mind that even the industry itself is is shifting in terms of who the main target audience is. If you notice now, um, a lot of games are adding DLC content or even like main uh, game content that's targeting um, China specifically. Many games mm -hmm. are doing that because their buying power of the country and their, uh, you know, is, is significant. Um, and what, I'm not saying, hey, you know, forget the U.S., forget your country, target China. That's not what I'm saying exactly. What I meant is it doesn't necessarily have to be a zero-sum game. Um, it, there's totally a place for you. If you're, if you're hesitant about this, you're thinking about it, then maybe you haven't made up your mind. But if you're like, hey, why don't I make a game based in... Uh, I don't know, Seattle, but where the protagonist is a Pakistani, you know, from you know, who, who grew up there or who moved there recently or something along those lines. And that could be a compromise, even if it's not the protagonist, even if it's one another character, you can mix and match. You could have, uh, depending on the kind of game that you're making, you can appeal to, you could target a lot of different characters, a lot of different uh, regions. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be just one. Right, especially that's that's right. how a lot of games are going now. They're going global. They're targeting more than one people, one one race. Look at like, uh, not every game has a roster of characters. So I'm not saying this applies to everyone, but the games that do already have been doing this forever since Street Fighter. Uh, poorly, usually, <laughs> not not very well, but still, they've been doing that since before. So maybe a compromise is right. is, uh, is is the answer for you if you're hesitant. Right. We don't want to make you do something you're uncomfortable with. I mean, ultimately, you know, it's an entrepreneurship question, so there isn't really a right answer. I firmly believe that the, that the right way of, of approaching entrepreneurship, and this is just something that I tell people all the time, is that you want to you start by minimizing your risk. Yeah. 
And that means that you can't always maximize the opportunity of what you want to do. And the, this was true for me. I, it was true for Osama. It was true for most developers. This, this industry is hard to navigate and it's hard to exist in. And there's a lot of competition. But even just getting your team to work well together, you know, takes time. It takes games to get your teams aligned, to get them to understand how to work together. And if you immediately throw yourself at these big, big games with these important meanings to you, they they become they they become heavy. Yeah. They become difficult. They become they they don't work out well. And you know, I've spent a lot of time mourning really really cool game ideas being made too soon by inexperienced teams and then never working out. Yeah. Uh, so, I would you know get your team together, start working on some smaller games, make sure your team is aligned, and then when you have the confidence to to do this bigger game. Um, do it. And then for the smaller games, like I said, you don't have to make it explicit, but you can absolutely make things that hint at the fact that it's not a game from Seattle. Yeah. Right? You can place it in place. You can use different music, different art, different narratives. You can pull from your local mythology, from your local situation and life without making it a game that is explicitly about those things. Absolutely. I love it. These three really good questions in the same week. I, I feel bad. The the Fozy isn't here. I guess we we could ask us. Fozy's here. <laughs> Fozy, do you want to answer all three questions really quick? No, I'm busy. <laughs> Fair enough. Thank you for joining us so late on the podcast, Fozy. <laughs> you know, it's very kind of him. I know he was very busy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Let's never do this again. This is the worst. Yeah. This is the worst. So this is the absolute worst. I feel terrible. It makes, it makes me so happy. <laughs> I love that our response is just full opposite. You're just like, oh, I feel so bad. And I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, anyway, let's wrap it up. I think the host next time is Fauzi. Oh, no. So I hope he's there. Otherwise, oh, no. it's going to be complicated. Ah. Oh. <sighs> What does Fauzi sound like? I don't remember. No. <laughs> <laughs> Your voice overrode his in my head. That's it. That's how I hear him. <laughs> Thank you, Remy. You're most welcome. I edit this man's voice like once yeah, a week for the past like 60 weeks. I'm just sitting here I'm like, what does Fauzi sound like? Our minds are weird. It's weird how we make these connections. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Yikes! Yeah. If you're gonna you're gonna have to apologize. You're gonna have to accept our apologies. Let's just tell him I this just episode never happened. <laughs> yeah, there was no episode. Very unfortunate. Oh no! Are we gonna post this one? I guess we're gonna post, post this it, one. Just don't tell Fauzi. Nobody tell Fauzi. Mm-hmm. That's the deal. Maybe I'll maybe I'll block Fauzi from the Habibi Twitter account <laughs> for like a day. Do so it. He doesn't see He'll it. Never know. <laughs> good. Good. Okay, everybody, don't tell, don't Fauzi. tell Fauzi. Do send us email. Do send us emails at info at thehabibis.com. And uh, I think that was it for this week. Uh, we said we'd do a short yes. one. We're like one hour and ten minutes. <laughs> we're in. really bad. How do we keep doing this? I don't know. Um, Anyway, thanks so much for listening. We will be back next week with a new episode of the Habibis. Uh, same time, same place. Hopefully recorded a little earlier. Inshallah. Um, that was it for now. Yeah, inshallah. Inshallah <laughs> as always. Anyway, for now, uh, thanks so much for listening and see you next week. Salam. 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 No, that's not it either. Salam. 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 Salam.
Salam. Salam. Salam. Yeah, I think I got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of it. That's kind of it. That was the Habibis podcast for this week. I was Rami Ismail, your host for this episode. You can find me on Twitter at T-H-A underscore Rami. My fellow Habibis were Osama Dorias, who you can find on Twitter at Osama Dorias. And Fauzi Mesmar, who you can find on Twitter at Fauzi Mesmar. Send us your questions, stories, and suggestions via info at thehabibis.com. The intro and outro music was provided by Malik Zubaila, and the logo was provided by Ibrahim Hamdi. The Habibis is a weekly podcast about three game developers drinking good Arab tea, with new episodes launching every Friday, inshallah. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting service, or check out thehabibis.com for more information. Thank you for listening, and salam. Hello.